Hey, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Strength Faction podcast. Today, we have our very own Steve Coach Fury Hollander talking to us about starting his own podcast, how it's helped him out to grow as a professional, how it's helped his business. Um, It's a great talk. Uh, Again, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's go. Confidence of a professional star man. Walking the streets, it always smell like an onion. But I got the program, my body, soul, and make it strong as the wind in Chicago land. And we're getting stronger every day. We're all in the Strength Faction crew. So get your chips and load your hips because our mission is to bring out the best in you, in you, in you. Coach Fury, how you doing, brother? Yo, you there? I am. Can you hear me? You sound really weird. Oh no! Like weird, like this clicking sound, almost like you're a predator. Weirder than normal. Hey, that actually seems to have worked. Okay. Yeah, predator and like the movie Predator, not the sexual kind. So weirder than normal. Well, I certainly appreciate you making that distinction. Um, how you doing? I, I'm going to be honest with you, coach. I am uh, not doing so hot. I think I'm uh, dealing with a little bit of a disc injury here. And, oh, no. Uh, nerve pain. Let me tell you, it's unique. Did it so, just, did it just spike up on you on a lift or something? Or did you wake up with it? Uh, you know, I was playing with my daughter on the floor and I went to get up and there it was. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, so I, I think I, it was probably – I've had some hip issues in the past. Yeah. Um, and I usually stay away from any kind of bilateral deadlifting. And uh, for some reason, a week ago, I, I thought that maybe a little bit lighter load would be doable. And uh, apparently it's not. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm paying for my uh, mental lapse in judgment there. And uh, – but, you know, live and learn, and it's part of the uh, price you pay for being active and uh, being not so smart sometimes. And uh, I'm going to learn from it and keep moving forward. Well, cheers to a speedy recovery, man. Sorry to hear, but, yeah, it is those random things that happen no matter how how fit or strong you are. The rando things happen. Yeah, and I, yeah, and you know what? I, I think the, the, for the initial lesson I learned – and almost immediately when I realized what had happened was that I really need a coach, you know, I yeah, need that uh, for somebody like if you, if you started. Yeah, I got, um, I haven't yet just cause I I've been off my feet for, for since it happened. Uh, but I have started some conversations and, um, so, but you know, just to have that and it's, you know, if you would have asked me a month ago, should every should everyone have a coach? I would have said, yeah, absolutely. And there I was, kind of in a interim period in my programming, and just decided to knock out some stuff. And if I if I had bounced the idea off somebody that knew my history, they would have said, don't do it. Um, and that's what happens when you don't you don't uh, use your community. So shame on me. Um, but hopefully uh, a, a lot of lessons will come out of it. I'll learn a, a little perspective and be able to help people out that, that might have the same issues they're dealing with. So Sounds like you already learned something out of it. And yeah, it, it, I, I fall in windows and of, of with and without a coach. And that's what brought me to Strength Faction to begin with, was I had initially reached out to Todd as like, I guess it was the second round of Faction. So uh, yeah, coaches need coaches. Well, I hope you weren't reaching out to him for fashion advice. Oh, well, now I am. Now that I'm uh, a part-time Pennsylvania oh, yeah, rural right. guy, I have yeah. to make sure that my, <laughs> my, my pant and flannel game are on point. And apparently I'm starting to nail all the proper checklist items on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, funny thing is we did, uh, Todd and Chris and I did an offsite. We do an annual meeting up there. Uh, well, anywhere really, but one year we went up there to a cabin 
not too far from where Todd grew up and rolling through town, it became immediately clear. Uh, a lot of things cleared up about Todd, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Um, but man, what a great guy. Love him to death. Uh, I'm just not going to let him dress me for a date. Let's just leave it at that. Well, you're already on the other end of that. You can dress yourself for the date. Right. That's true. That's true. But I wouldn't go for a second opinion. Um, <laughs> how, how are things in New York? Have you have things lightened up for you guys? Like uh, COVID-wise? Um, yeah, restriction-wise. Really. Uh, gyms, gyms are in a little bit of a weird spot where we've been open at 30% capacity since uh, either August 24th or September 2nd. There was a weird option of days there. In yeah. New York City indoor classes of any kind for fitness are still technically banned. Um, regardless of capacity, regardless so no... of capacity and meeting the same guidelines. Uh, it was a weird last minute thing that like us being allowed to be open is 1000% because of a class action lawsuit against Cuomo. Yeah. And I just know this from my relationships with the New York and fitness coalition and the United States fitness coalition and when it was time for in that case for him to present discovery, the, the science and the data behind keeping us closed as being problematic, there was none. So he rushed this open thing and he left it to basically every town mayor to decide when indoor fitness classes would open within two weeks of a virtual yeah. health inspection, except for New York. And uh, Yikes. de Blasio has not even revisited that there was a lawsuit against that to try to get that turned over. The judge sort of went with the fear monger aspect of it and said, we're not going to overturn something in the state of a crisis. Um, but the Blasio made that rule to the point where I can have four Mike Connolly's in my gym training independently, right? Yeah. No coach, but I can't have two Mike Connolly's and a coach teaching them a class. Mm. Uh, I can't have two Mike Connollys apparently and a teacher zooming in remote and I can't have a pre-recorded class. Um, it's the biggest, dumbest piece of shit, arbitrary uh, industry killer here in New York City because most independent gyms are some sort of class based. We're OK because we're more focused on personal training side of things and semi-private training. But yeah. it is just insane. And it's been months now. And they haven't let up on that. Uh, the other thing was, you know, for, for months going into the holidays, it was Jim's Bars, Restaurants, Jim's Bars, Restaurants as spread. And then there was another lawsuit about the defamation again, uh, of our industry. And that's when Cuomo started to release real data. And gyms were of 30 top spreading industries in New York State, the whole state, 30 top spreading, 74% plus was at home. I think it was like 1.6 for restaurants. Gyms were the 25th of 30 spread, mm. spread businesses uh, with 0 0.06. Right behind us was farming and agriculture. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, after, you know, five months of that. So one of the hurdles we have is people have been scared shitless now because we've been you know, everyone thinks we're just sort of gorillas sweating and licking each other while we're spotting, um, you know, barbells and stuff. But uh, fortunately, you know, we're very small and agile. Uh, yeah. We already had an online basis, though it wasn't virtual via Zoom. We already had online coaching. And the little bit of window we were open, because we were only open nine months before the shutdown, built enough of a loyal membership that we... We're just very open with our members, um, really, I think, had a solid transition to virtual that was pretty seamless, getting gear in people's hands. Um, and they've been loyal to us and we've been loyal to them. So it's a really slow build um, coming back from some people that had left. But uh, I'm optimistic. We, we didn't get hit as hard as we should have, considering how, considering how new we were which is yeah. like I have a weird sense of survivor's guilt when I see how many bigger places and small and, and places a little bit bigger, but really quality spots have closed. Um, and we considered it because we were profitable online to the point where the space was the itself was the loss of income. 
And uh, yeah, that's when we started selling gear. And, you know, I do, we're, we're, we're open because of the members and we're open because I think a part of this, yes, like, you know, for anybody that doubted me with online coaching being a thing, well, guess fucking what? Online coaching, <laughs> it's a thing now. Um, it's not the only thing for many. People need to be in front of people, you know, and, and there'll be some more yeah. sense of sanity and, 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 and perceived safety, you know, in the, in the coming months. So we're, we're going to hang in there, but we're, we're doing well. That's great to hear. Yeah, but it's gnarly. I mean, there's gyms closing left and right around me. Almost all the martial arts spots have either closed or, you know, they're every, we're one of the last gyms with an open front window now. Um, yeah. Which is weird because we're the speakeasy. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of that going on. How ironic, huh? <laughs> well, people don't realize that it comes that this started in my living room and not that we're some sort of secret actual public Jim, like we're here you can look in the window and if somebody's in here we're wearing our masks we're following above and beyond the guidelines and you know we've had we have a great track record so far so yeah well that's great and i i think that um you know you mentioned that you're close with your clients and you've obviously put a lot of effort into building relationships that uh you know kind of extend beyond fitness and and anything related to fitness, but I think it speaks, you know, one thing that has probably helped you, maybe I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's the subject matter of your up and coming mini course with the strength faction. And that's uh, a podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to share the, the podcast story, which in return came out of a, uh finally getting to do it was from a strength faction thing that I think Todd wrote. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. It's actually the flip side. So the reality of the podcast is I don't think the podcast has gotten me a single member. Um, really? Yeah, no, it was, and it was never really meant to be that. Uh, I think the podcast market is like pretty flooded where people really specifically go to like the topics or who they want to hear from. Mm -hmm. So for somebody that doesn't know, who I am or, or my silly nickname of coach fury. Like it's just another blip. Like I don't even know how they would come across it. Um, I think for me, the podcast started as a, as an outlet. Um, I got really tired of doing swing tutorials on Instagram or on Facebook and, and seeing tons of those. And I, I always, but liked to be fair now, Fury, to be fair, I don't know that there's enough swing tutorials out there. Well, I mean, there's always room for a thousand more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as long as you make them in your own voice, as everyone says. Um, right. Basically, I just wanted to do something new. And, and, and I, I wanted to have a podcast to like not just talk about myself, but really to like talk with friends. And it's weird. You're, we always talked about getting you on there and it hadn't happened. So we got to make that happen. But I wanted an opportunity when I, whenever I watch like a concert video or a skate video. So Mike and I, for those that don't know, Mike's a skater too. Um, in, mm, in the loosest of terms. B2 at this point to some degree, but the PA mini ramp is, is might be a very hard reality in spring. Um, yeah. In skate videos, I always love the moments when the, the behind the scenes, when the skaters were like talking. And it's the best. back in the day, there was never like documentaries about skateboarding. It was just like, that was a little bit you got into the lifestyle. And as an educator and someone that's taken a bunch of courses, you know, it's how we met Mike, like hanging out after the CKFMS. Right. Really love those dinners or having drinks after where you really get to know the people beyond like the name or the pressure of being either a teacher or an attendee at a course. So the podcast was like, how can I do something different where I can, talk with my friends, sort of shine some light on them if I have any fans um, in that. And not just fitness, but also like we've had musicians on from bands that I'm into. We've had fellow Godzilla collectors and toy designers. But like, how do I just like really like have a deep dive and just chat and catch up um, both to learn for myself and maybe somebody will like dig on someone's personality or be introduced to somebody that they didn't. So that was really it. I didn't expect to make money on it at all. And I really don't. Um, we do have a Patreon account. I think I've made at most, I think we made 
four dollars an episode and i'm super grateful for the for the cats that supported that but uh you know it's hours of work if the podcast is two hours you're probably going to double that in terms of mixing editing titling posting getting the word out um and right. for a while i was doing it once a month until we uh, once a week sorry once a week every monday until we opened the gym my friend glenn was providing custom artwork for each guest and it just when we opened the speakeasy which came kind of unexpected and rather sudden uh, it just became a little too much work. So the podcast has kind of dipped out and come back. It's back now. And I, I think I've gotten actually better at it, but I don't have any set timeline. So we had like six episodes pretty quickly. We've had like two months off again. It's, it's here, but I, I'm not like, it's purely like a, a love project. I'm not expecting to get anything out of it, but I've made some friends and every now and then someone comes up at a course or sends a message and says like, Oh, I just heard that. And that was amazing. Thank you. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it certainly is. Isn't it? Yeah. It's weird. And you know, I've learned a lot about faults in my own game. Uh, I don't come across, I, 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 I don't take myself as an expert in this field. So it's also an opportunity for, for me to learn perspectives because I definitely sort of get set in my ways. Uh, even though I try to be open-minded, I think there's a thing like where we all, are open-minded until it's something we don't agree with. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been interesting. And I think I've introduced like some people that I'm big fans of or friends with to some people that wouldn't know who they are. And that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I tell you what, when Todd and I talked about me taking over the strength faction podcast, I actually approached him and, and said that I was interested in doing it. And it wasn't because I love talking. I'm not a, I'm not a real big fan of, of uh, talking, especially if I know it's going to be like a, a recorded conversation. And um, the that sounded weird. I am a fan of talking to people. I'm not a fan of, of like structured conversation yeah. uh, in the sense where it's going to be recorded. And then, you know, I always have this thought of like, well, who gives a shit what I think anyways? And, you know, the, the tension about scrutiny and, so it, it really was for myself, I looked at it as an opportunity to grow. And the reason, you know, the, old, the big reason why I wanted to grow there was because, you know, my aspirations in this industry are to uh, continue to grow my role in leadership, uh, you know, both in my day to day job and then obviously in the strength faction. And being able to hold conversations and, and flow and, and make people feel comfortable and learn how to, uh, to guide and, and, you know, conversations, learn how to let conversations flow, it's, it's a skill to have. And um, I'm certainly not great at it, uh, but I feel like, you know, like you said, I feel like I'm getting better. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I do see it come through. Uh, when I present, I see it come through when I have a, a phone call with a parent that I, I need to talk business with, uh, you know, about their, their youth athlete, uh, any kind of business conversation. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting a little sharper and things are flowing and I'm a little bit more relaxed when I'm doing it uh, because of, you know, the experiences that the podcast has afforded me. What are some of the things that, that you've seen, um, kind of ancillary you know direct benefits and then also ancillary benefits uh since you've started the podcast uh i think the biggest benefit i get is actually just totally personal it's like us having this conversation like we haven't had a long conversation in a long time just you and i yeah with, we have with a lot of my That's friends it's been we almost played this julian cardius and i did a thing where he came back on the show and it was like dude we haven't talked in forever let's just we'll hit record and it's either a conversation or a podcast and we can decide at the end because mine's pretty unstructured. There's never really a topic. It's more just like, let's catch up. Yeah. Um, so getting to catch up with friends that I never talked to has been great. And it sounds, it's almost sad and a gift that it's through the podcast context, but I love it. Sure. From a structure, from like a personal growth moment, the biggest thing is I think, and how you were saying how in terms of guiding a conversation, having a podcast forces you to listen. And I yeah. definitely became better at listening and trying to process what they're saying versus trying to process what I'm going to say next, if that makes sense. 
absolutely it does you know so there's that guilt guilty as charged yeah i mean and, and it's so guilty it that. happens it's like you know someone and, and that's whether it's a podcast guest or a client or a friend how many conversations you can tell that the person is just waiting to say their turn as opposed to letting you finish so i think there's that um and that's definitely one of the things that i overlooked when i first started considering you know, that opportunity to, to take over the podcast because, you know, six months ago or maybe not six months ago, maybe longer, you, you couldn't convince me that conversation was a skill. You know, I, I just figured, well, I could talk to people. I talk to people all the time, but there's, but what you just hit on, I was so bad at, you know, and I was just in a thought that I was going to try and stay ahead of the conversation and and be ready for whatever's coming at me i lose myself in the in the in what's being said and i'm not listening uh fully and that caused caused me to miss out on quite a lot and and i feel like that skill has been sharpened and there's huge benefit to that and that'll transfer how you were saying into presenting so one of one of the nice carryovers was you know uh when i teach a cert or a course it helps there and one of the things that I started noticing in, as we got like in a deeper, I think we're like up to like 94, 95 episodes so far. Yeah. And wow. one of the things that I realized was that I was able to actually like process and interpret things in a different way. Cause I got used to listening to somebody explain it and it would spark a thing. So maybe I use a different cue or a different description on the kettlebell swing at a cert that I've taught, I don't know, 30 times. And suddenly, like, there's like a new thing or, um, you, you know, one of my coaches, Meg Hopkins, and I had, a, had an episode about body positivity. And it really re changed how I view that as a movement and what that is. Um, yeah. Not that it completely changed my mind on everything, but it opens my mind to different ways to evaluate my actual thoughts on it. Right. So it's having that open mind and it, 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 it allowed me to reinterpret things and the weirdest thing I caught on myself is I kept saying that I was a relatively new coach and, and this was two years ago when the podcast was on the regular and I caught myself saying it again to somebody and I realized that I've been teaching like seven years at that point and yeah. not super veteran status, but with the turnover of most people in our profession, you know, I was like, all right, I'll have that do now. Yeah. Um, so there was also that now it's been 10 years. So I guess I've, I just sort of got to acknowledge in these conversations my growth and a little bit of a, a, a sense of history within it. You and I, especially like, you know, being part of the kettlebell world prior to the, the big divorce and all that stuff and the shitty politics. The come along with that. divorce. You know, like, um, <laughs> yeah, I can look back now and talk on this show with the history of things that I think I did horribly wrong, ego based, you know, I don't know, respect driven. And come at things now, I don't know, more weathered, but stronger from those experiences. So sure. that's been cool. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, through strength faction, through teaching courses, just the friends that I've made, uh, perpetually lets me have this like bigger pool of cool people to sort of shine a light on because it's, it's really not about me. My podcast has a name on it. That's enough. It's really about whoever I'm talking to. So it's been rewarding and educational that way and i can feel that like that new cue comes up like things the way I, I got pliable or flexible within the context of a podcast conversation translated into the real world teaching a workshop or something and how i talk with people because generally i'm one of those introverted extroverts where i'm great in front of a group of people and if we go I go at the bar later if, if i'm not like nailing my emotions or something i'm super easy to be the guy in the corner just like going yeah you know, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel you on that one for sure. It's um, I definitely have the, the mood swings and it depends on where I'm at with how a conversation will go. And, you know, I feel like f being forced into it and, and having a mission to carry out and an objective to, to accomplish has helped me to kind of learn how to dial it in when I need to. For sure. Absolutely. 
So what would you say, you know, if, if someone came to you and said, man, I'm, I'm thinking about throwing together a podcast, what are a couple things that you would warn them about before they started uh, out? Warning. Let me see. I think the first thing would be is if there's an expectation that you're going to be the next Joe Rogan, I think like, good luck with that. Like, so I think the financial expectation or like even how you thought maybe I get members from it, right? Like it really is a personal thing. I have friends outside of fitness that were able to monetize their podcast to some degree, but I don't know if that's at a level that's in any way supporting, you know, an actual living, you know? Right. So I think set the expectation that it's a lot of work and you're going to have to practice it like you would a lift. I think some people think it's just, you're just going to talk into a mic and it's going to be great. Um, There is a skill to, like you were saying, like you learn to grow and be better at running a conversation. Just like you start to, when it's leading a room or teaching a class or doing one-on-one training. I catch myself all the time. I'm, I'm overly hyper aware of when I start doing ums and likes, (laughs) you know, all the filler things. Yeah. And, but you take that as part of the practice of doing it. So it's more work for very little payoff unless your heart's really into, into doing it. Um, in terms of how you come across, I, I remember, I think it was, might've been Josh Hankin told me, or when, when it comes to any sort of outward voice, whether it's how you writing blogs or shooting videos or, you know, whatever it is, use the one that suits you. And I think in fitness, there's this feeling that we have to do everything, you know, like, for example, like when COVID struck, right? Like when everything started closing down, how many trainers sort of needlessly started giving out all their shit for free? Because how many of those now, if there was a hundred of them, right? How many of those did it because they saw 10 other coaches doing the same thing? So there's this expectation of like, oh my gosh, they're doing it. Um, so I think first it was Facebook and blogging and then it was Instagram. And, you know, at, at some point a few years ago, the podcast became one of those items to check off the list. Like TikTok is becoming one of those now. Right. And, and, right. and I think you got to learn to play your strengths. So I think I used to be a pretty good writer when I wrote, but I did not like the time it took to write. So I started shooting more videos. The podcast yeah. Um, it's so simple in terms of actually you you hit record and then, but I did spend hours figuring out how to edit this and ultimately how do I speed this process up and make the intro and outro and all of that stuff? How do I create templates for, you know, when things get posted? So I'm not rewriting the same things. takes a lot of work, but yeah, sure does. I think I come across okay. And I don't say that in an ego way. People like the, uh, I also go by the thing. I don't expect a thousand people to like me, but if 10 are really into me, um, there are probably 10 people that would be my friends that I would re- be really into them. And that's my audience. I- I'm very Seth Godin-esque on the, the tribe aspect of that. I-, I don't want like a thousand members. I want a hundred that would die for the speakeasy. Not that I would let them die for the speakeasy. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll, I'll also say from an ego I, perspective or a lack of, I try really hard and you're, you're like this too, as are Todd and Chris, there's no speaker voice. Like I don't put on a presentation voice or necessarily a video voice or a podcast voice. Like if you met me at drinks or listen to me on the show, the only difference might be my language as I get a little loose on the booze. Um, sure. And so to break down that wall and, uh, it's been like a great confidence boost in some ways and uh, just an outlet because I get caught up in my own thoughts and then I have somebody that I respect that I can bounce the ideas off of and can they can everybody, hopefully I think they realize they can call me out on my shit. Um, and I'm open to that because that's sort of the purpose. If it was just me saying my things, um, there's no growth for me in that. So uh I don't know. I, think, I feel like I went on a tangent, Mike. I'm good at running conversations no, you, until I spin out on a tangent. No, no. Well, that that it was it was perfect because I think that you spoke to the authenticity that's required to even you know. I think if if you're trying to have that speaker voice or be someone you're not, p- 
people pick up on that stuff right away. So I would absolutely agree with you. That's one of the things that you need to convey to somebody that's starting out on a podcast. And then, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah, I've heard a couple of podcasts where, and this is, I'm sure they're wonderful people, right? But when you hear the style of their speech, you know, how they talk and how they convey their sentences and how they continue. There's nothing to it. Like there's no draw, like there's no visual draw because we're not in person. So it has to be the person, your personality has to come forward through it. So there has to be a certain level of confidence in that um, to let people know who you are so that you can actually make it engaging. Because it, it can't be just, I mean, dude, you know, like, again, I can't, kind of all worlds like an easy one to spill into this because it's so dogmatic and I, I don't, it's the one that I know, right? I'm sure maybe that shit happens in CrossFit right. and stuff and maybe that happens in Zumba. I, I don't know. But, you know, how many like powerful Instagram posts do you see that are basically a Pavel quote from 12 years ago? You know, that tells me nothing yeah. about the trainer. You know, it just tells me like Pavel said something impactful 12 years ago. Folks, Pavel still says right. cool and not shit. Only- it's okay. I'm not, I'm not dissing any. But like in a podcast, you can't pull that shit off. You can't like I'll quote, I'll make a Brett Jones quote, but my whole show can't be Brett Jones quotes. So you have to be comfortable enough with yourself to do that um, or comfortable enough with the idea. And this is how I go. Like I'm comfortable enough with the idea that people might think I'm full of shit, but maybe they think my friends are cool. And it's really yeah. becomes about them. So that's part of it. Like that, that you have to be able to approach it. Like, how is this engaging where if you don't have a comfortable voice like that, or you hate the process of it, then maybe you're an image making guy, you know, or trainer where it's more about the demo videos or the title cards, just find where your strength is, but you don't need to make a, a podcast part of your marketing strategy. That's actually probably a horrible idea in some ways for the amount of work it is. But if you want to do one, like you're like, I want to do a podcast, fucking hop on Zoom, get a feed account, get a mic, a shitty mic start with and do it. And then if you like it, invest a little in it. That was the biggest thing for me. Like once I saw that Strength Action blog about starting a podcast, I think it was Todd that wrote it. Like I was on, I was a guest on a podcast and that person recommended a headset mic. It's basically a gamer headset. And I did my first episodes with that. When I was able to get a little bit better at it, I got a, you know, a Yeti mic and I just sort of put a little bit money and time into it as I started enjoying it more, getting better at it and seeing what I wanted to improve. Uh, as opposed to, I do know people that have went out like, I'm going to do a podcast and they spend $2,000 on a mixing board and mics and headsets and windscreens and all that shit. And what if you hate it, right? Or what if you don't, right. what if you don't come across well? What, what if you incidentally say a bunch of like racist shit that offends people? Like you never know on a podcast, like <laughs> it's possible. Like that's, you mentioned scrutiny. Yeah. That's the hardest part of a podcast right now. Um, dealing with the political hotbed and people's opinions on the pandemic and all that stuff. Uh, it's not even acceptable to have an open mind on a lot of things these days for a lot of people, right? Like, so it's, it's, that's probably for me, the trickiest part. So be prepared to have to deal with that. Yeah. Well, well, I would say that, uh, racist comments probably don't come out, uh, accidentally. So if you're a racist piece of shit, don't start a podcast. Unless your target market is racist. Yeah. Then run wild. Just stay the hell away from us. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, even talking about that, talking about people that you might disagree with, um, I think that and it's it's almost cliche to bring him up. But Joe Rogan, you know, you mentioned him before. You, not everyone's going to be the Joe Rogan and that's a unicorn. And I think that that's a lesson that needs to carry over in every aspect of the fitness industry when either whether it be starting a gym you're you know you don't have to be mike the mike mbsc or the uh you know um mark fisher fitness of the world to be successful you just have to set goals and and achieve your level of success and that's a great accomplishment and you should be happy with that um i think too many people get discouraged by or, or think that they have to live up to that, 
that unicorn status. And that's, we're talking about the top 1% of, of the industry. Yeah, in any it's, industry. it's super true. And I think you and I have both seen that like as one, Fisher's a great example of a gym that as it came up on the rise, so many people wanted just not, not to learn from it, but to become it. You know, suddenly there was like copycat right. gyms, you know? Oh yeah. Whole lot of ninjas, whole lot of ninjas, and... whole lot of unicorns, a whole lot of leggings, a whole lot of pants dropping. And some of these folks were like cats that I knew, like literally you could almost say like pre MFF and post MFF. Like it was like they visited the speakeasy and then everything, uh, sorry, visited the clubhouse and everything changed. Um, yeah, I think there's also a man and you know, you, you we all know this cause you see it. Social media creates this impression that so many gyms are successful or so many of our friends are nailing it. And we know, I mean, Mike, I've known you for years and the struggles that were, were going on were rebel and, you know, like yeah. me even, you know, working at MFF as much as I love that place and then trying to get, you know, my, create my own sort of future, not even knowing I was going to be the speakeasy. Like most of us are struggling pretty hard. And, you know, Strength Faction is a wonderful example of that. Like the people that were helping you guys help through there, we help through there. Most of us are struggling pretty hard, but on social media, it's impossible to deter unless somebody has like a hundred thousand likes or followers or whatever. Yeah. Right. But even then, does that translate into true financial gain or members? So I, I think I love that you said that if we break out, like our, our the speakeasy is an example. Um, we're 675 square feet. We are on, uh, we are a storefront with a window on third Avenue in Brooklyn with almost no foot traffic. My goal isn't to be a big gym. My goal is to be the best neighborhood local fitness. Love it. What we do. It's like, uh, how I would view your neighborhood skate shop, how you would view back in the day, your neighborhood record store, comic book. Yeah. If any of you listening to this right now are thinking right now about your childhood favorite place of those genres, you would be great here. Right. That's what we're trying to be. Um, and I'm not looking to move into a huge space. Uh, eventually, I would like to expand a little bit. But like that's my go- my goals are small. We moved in with no build out. Like we painted. We painted the walls. We, we placed some lights. And then like, you know, like flooring for like our mats and stuff. And I had most of the gear. So I didn't want to be fancy. I knew what I wanted. And I knew what was realistic because you and I both know even pre COVID a bunch of gyms that closed because of overhead. And that's kind of what saved us. Yeah. Um, and plus the, just the simple fact that my expertise tends to lie in kettlebell, sandbags, Indian clubs, TRXy type stuff, all easy to do at home. Right. So that you was do that. Like, you could do that or barbell focused. It would have been different probably. So, you know, I think like people can, you can have a vision of what you want it to be fully be yourself, like, uh, and be successful and it just might not register as a level of success you're you're assuming other people are having, but you actually might be nailing it. I mean, look at kettlebell leadership, right? Like, or, or with people with like titles, which a lot is of them don't have it's gyms. Just so obscene to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of them don't have gyms or have other careers, and it's not a diss on them, but it's not like me as a former master RKC instructor. You know, I, I'm proud of my accomplishments, traveling the world, teaching kettlebells, but like. It didn't make me rich. It made me some money, but I'm not like balling or anything, yeah. you know, like I probably would have made, I probably made a little bit more than somebody working a crunch, uh, crushing 50 hours a week. So that's a lot. That's you know, a it's lot like a weird a thing, dude, but you know, I mean, that's how you make money at a lot of those places. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, it's tricky. So I think for everybody listening, like whether it's a podcast or not, what Mike said, it's important make your dream spot so that not only do you love being there, but it's fucking worth fighting for like this place. The speakeasy is my millennium Falcon. I'll fucking go through hell to keep this thing running in some capacity, yeah. whether it's, you know, look, if, if we have another COVID and we get shut down for another year or something, you know, we might go online and then reopen in a better spot. Cause I'm already looking at the real estate market in terms of like, what are the long-term ramifications of a year long pandemic? But they can have my gym when they take it from my cold, dead, dead and heavily sanitized hands. 
I feel you, brother. I feel you. And, you know, and that I think that's, you know, that same attitude has to be taken when you're going into any business venture and you just got to want to make it your own. You got to want to fight for it. And you got to realize that. Yeah. And you've talked about struggle before. I would argue that everyone's struggling, man. Even, you know, success is not easy and being successful only and being, you know, growing beyond your wildest dreams only brings more challenges that you're going to have to work through. So struggle doesn't go away, even when you're quote unquote successful or when you're legit successful, it's just part of the game. So um, if you're afraid of struggle and you're looking to stay away from it, then uh, you got a rough road ahead of you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially now, like if you look at the gyms that have closed due to no fault of their own, right? Like that's part of it. You know, there's some quality spots that were very successful and the things that made them stand out are the things that sort of crushed them. You yeah. know, um, it's, it's kind of hard. That's where my survivor's guild comes in. Cause there's some gyms that I've seen just you weren't flexible enough or underestimated what was happening. I, I'm definitely a plan for the worst and hope for the best kind of guy. Yeah. So even I would, um, would had no expectation that like the pandemic would have lasted this long, but I had a really good three month realistic thing. Yeah. So at least I was flexible enough to plan those folks that were like, Oh, it'll be over in two weeks. And then four weeks later are trying to come up with a plan Man, I feel for you, but part of that falls on yourself as, you know, you, you made a bad choice in terms of being malleable there. Um, I read some guy, you know, like um, part of on one of these, you know, New York Fitness Coalition groups that was complaining when we finally were allowed an outdoor training. So in New York City, I don't know about the state, but definitely New York City, we technically weren't allowed to even outdoor train people, even though people were until July 6th. Right. So we were closed March 16th. So that long in and someone who owned a gym was like, I'm not bringing my gear outside. I'm not going to let it get messed up and dirty or, or, you know, the thing. And it's like, okay, so then have a closed gym with good gear. You know, like some of these attitudes of like hard lines and stuff, we have to be flexible with. And it, you know, whether it's your gym or your podcast or your Instagram account, you got to be able to know like, Oh shit, this isn't working or it's not fun. Where do I end something? And where do I make it survive? Yeah. Uh, adapt adaptation. It's like what the fucking coaches do. All we do is try to teach adaptation, make people stronger. Yet when it comes to business and stuff, we're so resistant to it. Um, I also think it's fair to, to, to mention that, you know, life brings challenges, things change. Uh, you know, what you're doing and your mindset when you're 25 is, is most assuredly going to be different when you're 30 let alone 35, 40. Um, it doesn't mean you're a failure if you want to switch the game up and pursue something that's more suitable for you. I think we, we may have sounded, made it make it sound like, you know, gyms that, that shifted in this uh, pandemic and, and prior to, it, it's not necessarily a failure or a, or a, uh, a shortcoming. You know, there's a lot of, no, not yeah, at all. yeah, absolutely. I just want to make sure that we're clear about that. No, it, it's quite, it's quite the opposite. Like, you know, um, you, you sort of have to read the, the, the two things that I, I, I sort of try to apply in terms of like where I want to drive the speakeasy and, and, you know, setting goals is one thing, but obviously like there's a level of stuff that's out, out of control goal wise with what's going on with mandates and stuff. But a, a, a good owner doesn't need to know anything because I don't know really what the fuck I'm doing. Like I kind of drive this more by instinct and mentorship and, and friends than like actual expertise. Cause we're too new, but like you, you have to be guided by what is the business doing? What is the business able to do? And where do I want to do it where I enjoy it? Right. So I think if, if you can kind of like, all right, this is the situation now. How do I adapt to the situation where it's not just a short term fix, but something that I can use long term and still puts me in a place I'm happy. Uh, and, and that's sort of been like the overlying rule of how I try to gauge the speakeasy. So say we got magic word, you know, 
there's no place like home, click the Ruby slippers, COVID goes away, we're at 100% capacity. Not much is going to change in here in terms of the systems, because a lot of the systems I put in work for us now, right? You know, they're just because I, I didn't just want to put a bandaid on something, I wanted to think more long term. And again, that's what's sort of helped us now that we're 11 months into the pandemic. Um, you know, we're coming up end of February was the last course would be a year since the last time I taught a course in front of people. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not any way shaming anybody. Um, if, if you got caught a little pantsed, but there's a lesson to be learned on that. Um, they might not even got caught pants. They might've just, you know, had some time to sit back and think and priorities change and, you know, um, life is life. And there's no script to it. And there's no, you know, there's no right and wrong as long as you're uh, making yourself happy, taking care of the people that uh, you need to take care of and not hurting anybody. Go do it. And we know, we know some people too that took it as a almost, I don't want to say as a sign, but as an opportunity that weren't necessarily happy, oh, you know, running a business or, or a brick and mortar. And use it as a good opportunity to sort of like focus online as a long-term thing because they realize, you know, like this was an opportunity for this thing that I've really been struggling with and not, not in a way of like trying to, you know, like loving the struggle and growing a business, but just like, you know, like this has been a drain. Like there is that part of it where, you know, they're struggling for something that you want to fight for. And then they're struggling because you have a thing, but you're not sure you still want the thing, you know? Right. Right. And, and, and for that, that's just as good as like adapting your systems within the brick and mortar if that's where you want to go with it. It's a fickle, funny game we play, isn't it? Well, we have no, we have no charted reference points anymore. Uh, name another gym owner that can like name another business mentorship that can run you through a pandemic closure. Right. Hasn't happened, well, you know? Yeah, and I think that goes back to the first podcast that Todd and I uh, – recorded uh it was right after or pretty close to when the pandemic started and quarantine and you know we talked a lot about principles and that's you know that's what the faction's all about uh we have principles that work and they they work uh you know we we stick to them and we we hold them close to our hearts because we know that it's the stuff that's going to get us through times like this it's the stuff that's going to guide our decisions you know, whether or not to start a podcast or whether to uh, change a venture or, or, or whatever it is in your career that you're facing. Uh, if you have solid principles, you have your, your uh, core values set and you stick to them, uh, there's a large percentage that you're going to end up on the right track and, and be real happy about it. One thousand percent for sure. Man. We kind of we 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 covered a lot there, didn't we? That was it was nice. That went really quick. <laughs> it's a nice flowy conversation. That's uh, a sign. That's my. That's the type of podcast I love. By the way, you nailed it, Mike. Oh well, I pre. I mean, I didn't really do anything. You you kind of took charge and went after it. I I let it flow, and that's part of the game. Sometimes you you know, like we were talking about before. Sometimes you got to command the conversation. Sometimes you got to let it flow. So I think we uh, set a good example there. Let's uh, talk about when this mini course is going down. Oh, Thursday, September, uh, September February 25th, Thursday, February 25th uh, at 3.30. And for anybody that's been thinking about doing a podcast or maybe sharpening up their own podcast, like this is where we'll go. And uh, I'm going to go basically into the nuts and bolts of how to very simply start and manage a podcast. Um it is it seems technologically overwhelming at the thought of it or when you start reading blogs but when it actually comes down to it uh i think it, it it's very simple to make happen and if you really do want to do a podcast i also i want to make sure i, I come across as supportive because it's true if you really want to do a podcast start recording yes if you really want to do a youtube channel use your phone start recording use zoom start recording uh get that it, it's better to like get it and have a bunch of rough ones than having a bunch of perfect ones a year from now. Uh, and quite frankly, they won't be perfect because you're going to learn and get better at it. And 
but really think just like when you open up a company or something, like what's your mission statement? What, what, what style do you want the podcast to be? What are you going to try to like convey guest wise or information wise? And uh, think about building that in and just start talking to people or talking to, if it's just you doing it, um, you know, start talking to yourself, but record it. There's nothing, nothing weird in saying that. Um, just yeah. record, record yourself. There's, there's no better time to start than now. And, uh, you know, absolutely Thursday, February 25th, 3.30 Eastern time, correct? Eastern time, my time. Yeah, you got you to gotta let that know for the, the weird people in the rest of the country that don't go by that clock. Um, 3.30 Eastern Standard Time, going to be a great time to uh, scratch that itch and, and learn a little bit more about something you may or may not be interested or if you're running a podcast right now and want to have a conversation uh, about that with a good community that's interested in bettering themselves and everyone around them, uh, join the Strength Faction mini course. Uh, if you're not already on, it's $1, right? And uh, you not only get access to Coach Fury's podcast mini course, but all the past ones are on our Facebook page for reference. You can download them, check them out. A uh, ton of great content out there. Fury, I appreciate you, brother. It's been great catching up. Can't wait Bye. to jump on your podcast and talk about whatever we want to. Um, reach out. Let's get that going, brother. Yeah, let's definitely make that happen. That's been too long. Uh, Folks, Mike, Mike's the guy I've known the longest in strength fashion, and we talk one-on-one -on -one the least, so we got to change that, man. Yeah, well, you know, the, pr the price you pay of being a family man and uh, a busy <laughs> business owner, man, it's, it's tough. It, it, is, it is a thing. So, all right, brother, it's been great. Uh, I appreciate you. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks, man. Take care, brother. Later, bro. Are we still on? Yeah.